And we're live uh, here on uh, on Texas Football. It's the post game show, joined uh, by Lifetime Longhorn uh, Rod Babers, none other than number twenty one himself. I still got the jersey in the background there, as you can tell. <laughs> How you doing, Rod? Big difference a week makes. Longhorns couldn't get out of their own way on offense last week. This week, they hang 55 on Kansas, rush for more than 400 yards. Uh, that was, Bobby, we got, I mean, we'll have to go back statistically and look at it, but that's one of the greatest rushing performances in the history of modern Texas football. I, I mean, I, and, you know, I've been watching it for, you know, 20 plus years now. You've been watching it way longer than me. So you let me know where it ranks. But in terms of just the dominant ground game, because we can look at what Quinn Ewers did. And by the way, I like what Sark did early on. Like he, if you did, if you don't have to put too much of a burden on Quinn Ewers, why would you do it? He didn't need to do that. Put some Bijan on it and the ground game really carried the day. So that was a dominant performance. I think it was Sark making a statement. I think he was making a statement. I think he was. He felt a little bit. I thought. I think he felt shame. I think there's a little bit of shame here, and I'm not saying it to disrespect Sark. When you let a team take away Bijan Robinson and only have 12 touches, you talking about game day in town, biggest game of the college football weekend, and the best player potentially in the on the matchup on both sides, Bijan Robinson only has 12 touches in the game, zero targets. You failed as an offensive coordinator and a play caller. You allowed them to take away your best player in the chess match within the game. And I think Sark wanted to come out and say, you know what? I apologize for letting them take away Bijan Robinson. I'm going to give you so much Bijan in this game. I'm going to make it boring. This is actually one of the first games I got bored. I got bored. I ain't been on a Texas football win where I got bored. It's been a long time. And I like that. I was, I was, I was going to say, that's a good win. That's a good win. <laughs> that's what we call a good win, Rod. We, we want to be bored in the second half if, if at all possible. Is that not is that not accurate? I mean, is it that I every Texas fan's like, uh, <laughs> desire? Um, yeah. You know, uh, right, as we, right before we're going on, you said something that I thought was prescient, and, and I'll, I'll say it uh, to, to the folks here live. Uh, we've got, a, you said, you told me we've got enough of a sample size now on the Texas defense that they're absolutely better than no they doubt. were a year ago. I don't think there's any question that's, that's the case. No question. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, we filed, I, I was worried about the performance versus TCU and not because, I mean, it was a great championship level performance, but I was worried it could have been an outlier only because I know Gary Patterson was incentivized <laughs> to do a lot of game planning on TCU, not only because he has the connection with TCU, but because they were an undefeated TCU as we got deeper into the season. So I know he did a, a deep dive on him. And you had a really thorough, expansive scouting report on each and every player on that team. So I could understand why Texas would have the advantage in that matchup. But this is a game, and trust me, I, I got a lot of respect for the Kansas offense. I think we all do. I mean, they were averaging seven yards per play. Going into this game, talking about the that's the sixth best average in the country. They were the seventh best third down offense in the country going into this game. They actually were tied going into this week with TCU in 20 plus plays yard from scrimmage. This was an explosive offense. And Texas made them look pedestrian the entire time. And not only explosive, but they're very, um, they're very, to me, very creative and innovative, right? It's a multiple offense. They'll throw, you know, the diamond formation. I think I saw that in the game for you. They had one formation where they put the uh, two 
Two of the linemen were out on the numbers. You see that one, right? It, it's still a lot of weird stuff that shit to try to distract you. They're all about distortion and distraction and deception. And Texas didn't fall for it. Basically, a triple option offense from the shotgun. And Texas had enough discipline in this game on all levels to still be able to neutralize that offense. Uh, it was impressive. Back-to-back -back weeks we've seen of it. And we've seen it early on in the season. And we've seen it late. There have been a couple of lapses. I mean, they're not a perfect defense by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but they are definitely much more effective. And they're much improved from last season. And, yes, indeed, they are now a strength of this Texas team. You could argue the strength. They could argue the strength of the defense. This Texas team is the defense right now, not necessarily any. They've been more consistent, arguably, uh, than any other, uh, you know, team, phase of the of the team, I should say. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think that, that they've been more consistent. I mean, we, you know, Texas scores 31 points. I, I felt like one of the keys to the game came early in that, um, frankly, Steve Sarkeesian didn't ask Quinn Ewers to do too much. Um, and it wasn't necessarily throwing the ball outside. He threw one RPO that was a slant to Xavier Worthy that was a difficult catch. Yep. Outside of that, he didn't go deep but once all day. And, and Worthy dropped that pass. So mm -hmm. reeling that in and playing keep away from an offense, a, a, a Kansas offense that likes to control the ball, that likes to pound you, likes to stay on the field to protect its defense, uh, ultimately, you know, was winning football. Yours finishes 12 of 21. He's not even 60%. Um, but 107 yards, one TD, he's effective. Um, yep. I thought that play calling was um, interesting as well today. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to say this, and I'm not trying to, to push a, a button here, but Texas knew what they had to do to win. Even on third and goal from the, what, 15, they threw a swing pass to <laughs> Keelan Robinson for a touchdown. Um, third and seven, ending ending the half. Uh, they ran Bijan up the middle with 10, or with 10 seconds to go on the clock. Um, they didn't – they decided that, okay, there were numerous times tonight or this afternoon when uh, Steve Sarkeesian, third and five, let's run it. Third and seven, let's run it. Now, obviously, it's nice and easy to do that when you're up by four or five scores. But he did that relatively early in the game, too. And I think making the game easier for Quinn Ewers was a smart decision coming off uh, his last couple of weeks of play. Totally agree with you. I, I think it was it was a moment of humility for Sark as well. Um, I, I, uh, Ray Horton. Coach in the NFL, was a player, still a coach in the league, great guy too. He once uh, told us in a, a meeting with DBs, that's a great quote because I'll never forget it, that life and football are constant struggles, deciding between what you want to be and what you need to be in order to survive. And we all want to be something, but hell, man, we got it. We need you need to pay the bills. Right? Uh, you got a wife, you got a family, you got obligations. You know, man, you got to decide. It's got to be a compromise between what you want to be and what you need to be. And I think Sark wants to be a big game hunter. He wants to make big chunk yardage plays downfield in the passing game. That's what he really wants from his offense. And we saw that early on, and we saw him chase right? Almost fixated, right, with the deep ball, trying to get it in this game. I think I counted two passes that went 20 yards or more down the field. I, I think we can go try kind of chart it later on. Just top of my head, I remember two of them. One was a completion 
to Jordan Whittington, like yep. 21 yards. And the other was that uh, X-Man uh, drop, that, whatever, the, the, the PBU, whatever you're talking about, uh, the contested catch. So he, he decided in this game, you know what? I am going to – I'm not going to be the big game hunter. I'm going to – I prioritize easy completions and high percentage passes for my quarterback, number one. And I'm just going to run the football. We're going to be a running football team. That's what we're going to do. We're going to run the rock. And even when we're in situations where it seems obvious, an obvious passing situation, right, a predictable pass situation, we might decide to run the rock. Uh, and I think that start humbling himself just a little bit to understand this specific team with a young Quinn yours might not be able to achieve. The, all the different feats and all the different elements that you would like to be in your ideal offense. Just not this year, maybe next year and year after that, but not this year, this year it's about Bijan, baby. Bijan's the identity of the offense. And I think yeah. that's what we saw today. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and, and not even Bijan Roshan Johnson went out with an injury, did yeah. not return. Not sure what the injury was. Uh, somebody may have heard that on the radio broadcast. I do not know for sure, but, uh, noticeable that he didn't return in in Bijan's Bijan went out in the third period uh, and uh, in came Jonathan Brooks who looked fantastic yep. um, in the, the limited chances uh, Jonathan Brooks has gotten for the Longhorns in his career uh, Brooks has looked like the real deal to me uh, as, as good as any back you know I, I'm not saying he's as good as uh, Bijan because he doesn't have that kind of speed but uh, bounces off tackles uh, sees the hole real well makes decisions and is decisive, uh, pretty impressive, and still patient at times, too. Uh, Jonathan Brooks is a guy. Um, let's let's go back uh, to the offensive line because uh, one of the things that – and I want to mention the offensive line here because Bijan did have such a good game. Part of that is because I think the offensive line literally dominated uh, KU, not all game long for the most part. You know, a couple plays, KU got in there – because they, they put four, five, six-man uh, kind of rushing as opposed to it was a run blitz type situation. Uh, but by and large, Texas controlled the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. But on offense, they were moving people. Uh, Kelvin Banks just had another – I mean, I, I can't go back and say I watched him on every single play, but there were multiple long yardage plays where the young man from uh, Umble just literally – I mean, he – on that, on that, if you go back and watch the touchdown pass to Keelan Robinson, he gets out and makes a block on an outside linebacker that pushes him out of the way. That is just like, I mean, most kids his age, most 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 seniors don't do what he did. Yeah, um, and he really he didn't just move him; he displaced that guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And so when you're that, when you're trying to, as Brian Irwin likes to say, compress space is the term Brian likes to use. Hmm. When you have a guy that can do that, uh, it's pretty impressive. Uh, hats off to some young linemen that got in the game as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Ann Williams and DJ Campbell. Uh, that long run uh, by Jonathan Brooks was right right off the butt. So those two guys, Logan Parr, uh, came in at second string center and uh, moved his guy as well. So uh, all in all, I, I felt like, you know, yes, Bijan is the player of the game. The offensive line really did a work. Uh, really did a job on on the Jayhawks today. Yeah, uh, because uh, that's a good point. Because there was more the running game overall, right? Because Bijan was basically done mid third quarter. I thought he was going to get to thirty rushes. He didn't even get there. He got to twenty five after he got that score and to put him up with thirty eight to nothing. Sark and I agree. Sark was like, you know what? There's no need for Bijan anymore. We got a deep stable of running backs, even with Rojo out. 
you still have a deep stable running backs, uh, even with Rojo out. And they went to Keelan and they brought in Jonathan Brooks. And you're right, man. I, I totally agree with about Jonathan Brooks. I've been a fan of here since last year. Um, and I don't we don't know what's in store for the running back room at Texas. If Bijan comes back, that'd be awesome. That'd be a blessing. I don't think he's coming back. I don't want him to come back, really. Honestly, I want to see him at the NFL level. He's that good. I'd love to see him in one of those really cool offenses, like, you know, with uh, you know, Sean McVay or Arthur Smith or, you know, Nick Sirianni, throw me one of them crazy offenses. I want to see him at the next level. Uh, Texas will be fine, by the way. They got Keelan Robinson has another year and then you got Jonathan Brooks. Uh, so I'm with you. I think it was about the running game overall and the, the, the attitude, right? The attitude to go into a game. How many times they throw it? I mean, there was a 20, 21 times or something like that. 22. Oh. 22. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. To go into a game with that kind of attitude to say, no, no, no. We're going to score 50 plus. We're going to do it running the rock. We're going to run the rock. And like you say, it was deliberate and intentional. I, I love that. And that may be more of a foreshadowing of the future, right? Of what Sark wants to do. Why, you know, why burden your quarterback with a young QB when you don't need to? And we all know young old linemen, what do they want to do? They want to maul somebody. They don't want to pass block. Ask Casey Studd. He'll tell us, I don't want to pass block. And I'd much rather go tell me I can go punch a guy in the face. As 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 uh, uh, Kenny Sims, I go I can go smash some face. That's what young guys want to go do rather than go pass block. Worry about technique and foundation and footwork and hand placement and all that stuff. No, no, no. They just want to go hit somebody in the face, and that's what Sark did today. That was a and I know it was against Kansas. I get that. That's one of the worst defenses in in all of college football. Uh, but you did what needed to be done. And what needed to be done was imposing your will on that team. So I'm with you, man. The, the, the offensive line is young, and that running back room has a ton, of, a ton of talent. You know, maybe that's the foreshadowing of the future of Texas football. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to run the football, and they should be able to better uh, as these guys. These, you know, they're going to return at least four of the five offensive linemen next year. Um, quickly, Texas plays next week Baylor on Friday, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, 11 a.m. kick, by the way, Rod, just so you know, uh, people need to get ready. Can't, can't have a turkey hangover uh, on I'm Friday morning. Um, hey, but uh, if you didn't notice or if you didn't see it uh, and you're a Texas fan, TCU defeated Baylor at, at the gun, really, 29-28 um, on a uh, field goal. Uh, Baylor controlled the game and moved the ball extremely well, uh, but TCU came up with a big stop and then made a couple, couple nice plays uh, in the passing game. Uh, got them down into field goal range and then uh, made the kick. Uh, the Longhorns uh, now will play Baylor, who is six and five. Texas now seven and four uh, next Friday in Austin uh, for the final regular season game uh, of the Longhorns. Longhorns are for sure going bowling. We already knew that. But uh, as if, if they win next week, the bowl game could be better. Uh, and furthermore, they're still in it uh, for the Big 12 championship, right. given the fact that Kansas State has still uh, not Kansas State has to beat this Kansas team to secure its place in uh, the second uh, in the uh, Big 12 championship game. Hey, rock chalk, baby. Rock, rock chalk. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's the case. I, I I get the feeling. I get the feeling this Kansas team was looking ahead a little bit. I know that sounds hey, weird. I'm cool uh, with that. I thought I thought Kansas came out flat. They did, and I know yeah. you you felt that way too. I mean, yeah. it, it just looked like they. They didn't. They didn't hit that long pass early, and when Texas just started running on them, they just had no answer. You and know? they took that touchdown away early too by Casey, and then they missed the field goal. Oh, it just sucked the it sucked the life out of them. It really did. Hey, by the way, Texas is the only team that gets called holding against. 
What, <laughs> did you see that call on JT Sanders? What are I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. On the touch, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And, and the very same thing happens essentially uh, later in the game against Justice Finkley. No call. I mean, nice. it's just look. I mean, it's getting it's getting to be ridiculous. Where look, call holding if it's a hold. Don't call holding just because you think somebody gets redirected. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's borderline crazy. All right, we need to say thank you to one of our sponsors right now. Uh, one of the one of the groups uh, that's uh, helping us pay the bills here, and that's from BetterHelp. Uh, we often say that uh, Longhorn fans may need this uh, because sometimes Longhorn football uh, doesn't doesn't necessarily go the way we want. Uh, so here's a spot from BetterHelp uh, for on Texas football. Unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual, so when it's not working for you, it's normal to feel stuck. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online, plus it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist at any time. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic. No endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash on Texas. That's betterhelp.com forward slash on Texas. I did, I'm, I'm doing the numbers right now, Rod. Uh, KU entered the game averaging 7.3 yards per play. Yep. Uh, tonight, uh, this afternoon, uh, they had 59 plays from scrimmage for 346 yards. Uh, that's a 5.8 clip, so a full yard and a half less uh, than what they were. Uh, we can say that the offense, the run game for the offense was was key, but I thought the defense getting off to a quick start may have been an even bigger one because then it put KU in a must when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It put KU that was bringing in their backup or being bringing back a quarterback yep. into a must-win situation that he's just not, he wasn't necessarily all the way ready for. In my yeah, opinion, I mean, dare I say it, Bobby? Complimentary football. How about that? Yeah, he talks about it all the time. That's exactly what you got, right? You got the offense running the rock, so they're uh, you know controlling the clock. They're also controlling the ball. They're able to to, to limit possessions of that. Very explosive at the time, really explosive Kansas offense. So the defense is not overexposed. That's complimentary football. That, that is literally the definition of it. And by the way, let's throw out special teams. One of the big complaints last week versus TCU, you were gambling too much, right? Hey, how about focusing and prioritizing returns, allocating resources to get the return game going instead of trying to get the blocks this week? Return game, baby, instead of going after the block. No, I know that's probably matchup-based more than anything. So, But I love Jeff Banks, by the way. I think Jeff Banks is a hell of a coach, period, by the way. Uh, he's probably been the most consistent coordinator they've had through the first two years. Uh, but I love the fact that, you know, this team is showing that they can adjust, right? They can adjust. They can learn lessons. They learn lessons from last week versus TCU. 12 touches for Bijan. You can't have that. So, what, 45% of your first half uh, offensive snaps? 
are reps that are toward Bijan, that are intended for Bijan, that are touches for Bijan. And also you learn defensively, you know, you can, that I love the, how aggressive they still were defensively. I mean, it's still, it feel like they picked up where they left off in the TCU game and that it wasn't just another matchup based uh, defense. They kind of picked up exactly where they left off, man, forcing negative plays and getting off the field. Think about it. We're talking about Kansas. This is the top 10 third down offense in the country. And Texas, we all know this, Longhorn fans, one of the Achilles heels of the defense has been getting off the field. All right. That they sometimes they can't get off the field. And that has really led to them being overexposed in this game. They got off the field and made plays. And Jalen Ford, guys, I don't know if I've seen a better Big 12 defensive player this year. I mean, have have we, Bobby? Is there a better one? Well, I I think that, you know, Jeez. I mean, I know there's. I don't know that. I don't know that. I think that there's a great defensive player in the Big Twelve. No, no, I agree. I'm yeah. not saying I'm I not mean, saying so, that. so to your point, is he a first team All Big Twelve linebacker? I think there's no question he should be first team All Big Twelve. Okay. Um, and I would not have said that after Game One when he had zero tackles. Oh, he had um, three tackles. <laughs> yeah. I um, and so interesting. Uh, came up with a key interception today. Yeah. Um, on a a play that. It looked like KU was going to go down and score, maybe make it 24 to 7 at half. Instead, Texas uh, gets the interception from Ford, ends up uh, going down and scoring themselves uh, and going up 31 to nothing. Uh, Ford is playing well. I thought Jade Barron had a nice game today. Oh, man, um, she had a pick six. Yeah, you should have had, you know, that was a, they, they came up, they had two chances for picks uh, yeah. on their hands on it, not only Barron's, uh, but also Ryan Watts. Uh, yep. That probably would have been negated by the uh, targeting call. Uh, but still, Ryan Watts, it was there for him. Uh, there was a quick whistle on a on a uh, kick return that Jaron Thompson had shook the ball loose and, and oh, passed yeah. on it too. Um, but uh, overall, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking of good players. Tavondre Sweat continues to play like a man right now. Um, I thought Justice Finkley played well in limited action. Maurice Blackwell played more than he has. Yeah, uh, Demarvian Overshone had, had a positive game as well. Um, you look at the look at that Maurice Blackwell, six tackles. He, I mean, he didn't have more than twenty five snaps, mm. maybe thirty. He's very, um, he's extremely active. Yeah, I think he may have taken away the snaps from uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Yeah, once he went out with the targeting call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that may be something. Honestly, with the last game coming up, I know obviously we're limited in the number of games we're able to experiment, but. I, 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 it makes sense for them to push more Maurice Blackwell at this point in the season. Yep. yep. It does. Um, Baron Sorrell, I thought, had a good game. Jaron Thompson made a key stop on a third down. Um, up and down the list, I thought they played well. I mean, I, I felt like they, they had a good football game all around. Anthony Cook was steady. Um, you know, I, I feel like Texas played a good game on defense, only allowed 14 points. How can you not say they played a good game? Right, yeah, with you on that. And, and, and so did Deshaun Jameson play? Was he limited? He was limited. He was right? uh, so he didn't start. He didn't start. Uh, I don't think uh, Terrence oh. Brooks started, but he did come in and play quite a bit. I don't know how much. Okay. Um, but uh, Terrence Brooks played. Uh, they they took out uh, Michael Taff. Uh, uh, started in place of Jaron Thompson. Yeah. Because uh, I think Jaron is still dealing with an injury. Uh, but he played a lot uh, as well. Jaron Tom- or uh, Michael Taft did. Um, he gave up the one touchdown in the end zone or in the wheel on the real route that actually the inside guy took, um, inside receiver took. But uh, it, you know, long and short of it, 
I, I think I think that maybe a bright spot right now for Texas football is they have a defense that looks well coordinated. Agreed. I mean, a year ago, you and I would not have said that. Maybe even the first few games, other than Alabama, we may not have said that this year. This year, they look well coordinated. They're not perfect. They don't have necessarily great, great playmakers, but they're playing more as a unit right now. Yeah, and they're able to put pressure on the opposing quarterback. They right? have they did yeah. do that. Yeah. yeah, whether it's organic pressure or whether it's them applying pressure via the blitz, they're able to pressure the opposing quarterback. Last year, they could not do that at all. And that's where everything fell apart. They were 108th in pressure rate last year. Everything fell apart. Now you're talking about them being one of the leading teams in pressures in the country and all of the FBS. And that's because it starts with that interior defensive front, which is basically five deep. They go five deep starters there where you're talking about Tavondre Sweat and Keandre Coburn and Byron Murphy and, I mean, Alfred Collins. They are That's the deepest position on the defensive front. And honestly, it's the best position to be the deepest at. Um, because right there is where they can almost blow up a pocket or blow up a run play initially. And they've been doing it with consistency all year long. So that's been the most consistent part of the defense. And then you start with Jalen Ford right behind that. Um, and then, you know, you kind of go to Anthony Cook, uh, who's been really consistent when he's played, and Jaron Thompson, who's much improved. So what I call the central nervous system of the defense the core of it, right, where all the communication takes place, the safeties, making the checks, the, uh, the the inside linebackers who can see everything, the central nervous system of the defense is much improved, and those guys are playing really well. That is really the key. And then you throw Ryan Watts out there, who's winning his one-on-ones more consistently um, at, that, at that boundary corner spot. And the truth is, you just have guys making a lot of plays. So, I mean, I'll give PK a lot of credit. I'll give GP a lot of credit. And I'll give Sark some credit because I hope he spent some more time in that defensive meeting room. Uh, these guys, not only does the game plans seem to be more in tune and more effective, but the execution of the game plans are more effective too. We're, nit- we're nitpicking when we're going after defense a lot of the time. I'm nitpicking. Last year, hell, man, I, I had – You didn't have to nitpick last year, bro. I had no <laughs> some notes say I could take this on. These days, I'm like, uh, you know what? They got to be better at the switch routes in pattern match coverage. We got to watch out for the inside breaking routes. I'm being nitpicky. And trust me, I, you know, guys, don't bother about the details and watching the film. It, I got to be nitpicky to critique this defense. That's how good they've been. They've been really good. Yeah, they've been good. The only game that it looks like that Texas has lost – uh, where or Texas has won where they gave up more than 20 points was against Kansas State. Texas gave up 27 points. In that game, though, Texas yeah. came up, came back, or Texas made a big defensive play at the end. Um, they did yeah. also, oh, excuse me, they beat Iowa State 24-21. That's two too. And then that was a running game at the end where they closed it out. We really yeah, but I'm just looking at it. Uh, they lost games to Texas Tech. They, they allowed 37 points. They allowed 20 to Alabama, uh, 41 to Oklahoma State. That was a bad performance. That was a bad one. Yeah, uh, missed, not missed tackles. They only gave up 17 points to TCU, so that one doesn't is a, is not a bad look at all for the Longhorns. But overall, look, this defense is two standard deviations away from what we saw a year ago. They're not only they're not only last year they were bad, historically bad. Historically bad. So that one deviation up from historically bad would be mediocre. Yeah. Uh, the next one up would be average or decently good. Yeah. I think they're two standard deviations away 
from what they were. Now watch them go play Baylor and somebody else show up. I don't know. As soon as we start talking good about them, you know. The no, no, that's the point, Bobby. So you're, you're right. No, okay, they, think about this. They've only played two good defensive games in a row, and usually they'll have a lapse, right? They had that that great game versus UL, ULM and Bama, and we are like, oh, man, that's great. And then UTSA was a little shaky. You're like, man, that's, UTSA's moving the ball on us. That's a little strange. Then, then Texas Tech, we're like, oh, okay, now, okay, now we're freaking out. Now we're paranoid a little bit. And then they come back, West Virginia, domination. Oklahoma, domination. And then Hunter Deckers has his greatest performance ever versus Texas. You're like, whoa, what happened? How did Hunter Deckers do that? And then you get the uh, the Oklahoma State performance, too. You're like, well, what happens? Mr. Sanders couldn't even throw the ball. And, yes, Mr. Sanders is moving the rock versus Texas. And then they come back after that, right, and have – we just saw the, t- the TCU performance was unbelievable. I mean, that was championship level. And we just saw another championship-level performance. So the point is they usually go back-to-back. If they have a championship-level defensive performance versus Baylor, that would be the first time all year we win three of them back-to-back-to-back. Well, we were like, whoa. Now we are, you know, we are we are mind-blown, flabbergasted by how good that defense has looked in three straight games. The pieces start coming together at that point. Yes, exactly. That's more than just coincidence. That's, that's a trend. I felt like it was interesting to me. Um, Devin Neal, the running back for KU, uh, had been going off all year long. He was rushed for – 200 yards a couple of different times uh, this season, I believe. Uh, he never got on track. Um, Texas did. I felt like uh, the Longhorn defense, what they did is they totally bottled up anything between the tackles for the most part. Um, oh, they got a little bit when they got some stuff on the edge, they got some stuff on the edge, but really Texas did a phenomenal job in between the tackles, limiting instead of, instead of second and five, it was second and eight. Right. Instead of third and two, it was third and six. Yep. Um, And, you know, I'm thinking to myself that that was a a pretty big uh, situation. Is this uh, is this uh, Devin Deals rushes this year? Yep. Yes. There's the there's the two. He went for 224 against Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. he, He was actually on his hottest streak. Yeah, when Texas end up and meeting them, and I thought to myself, man, they're gonna try to run the rock against Texas. But it just shows you. And remember, it was I believe last week Kendra Miller was the first hundred yard rusher that Texas had allowed all year long. He was the first one. So you know, it's it's still the most consistent part of this defense is their rush defense is legit. Remember, that's why we thought you know Adrian Martinez was a miscalculation by. Uh, Kansas State versus Texas because they thought, oh, we're going to run the rock versus Texas. No, you ain't. You ain't going to run the rock versus Texas. Now, you may be able to throw it and make some plays in a passing game, and you better do it before that pressure rate gets to you. You better do it before they're able to collapse the pocket because if you don't, that's how Max Duggan was only able to get off a few good passes versus Texas too. So that's, that D-line, that defensive front, they are legit. And the, listen, the backfield has been good, but they aren't they aren't elite. I mean, they can be had. And I think that's the weakness of the Texas defense. So I think once again, for Kansas, they probably thought, oh, we're going to be able to run the rock because we got Jalen Daniels starting um, with, you know, uh, Neil in the backfield. Not the case, man. You can't run the rock really consistently versus even TCU. It just took a, it, it was a couple of plays that they broke here and there, three or four, but they weren't consistently running the rock versus Texas until they, all those body blows added up in the second half. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I felt like 
I felt like Texas did a good job overall sticking with the run uh, in a game where, frankly, they they uh, uh, they needed to. Uh, I, I felt that this might be because of the option attack. Yep. That that Kansas presents. Um, I was surprised Jalen Daniels didn't run more. Because I think he, if he would have had he had may have had some zone read keeps that he could have taken for good yardage. I wonder I wondered just how much him coming right back off of an injury changed that from their perspective, right? Um, because they had no running game from their quarterback today. No. And, and that the teams that give Texas problems are the Max Duggins, who can yep. the Frank Harris, the um, Frank Harris, the yep. Donovan Smith. The Bryce Youngs. <laughs> you're right. No, you're right. I agree. That's why we all thought, oh, this is a this matchup is a little bit bad for Texas, potentially because they got both quarterbacks who can run. And you're right. He did not run. I, I agree with you 100 percent We didn't see that element for Kansas. No, we didn't. And, and that could have changed the out, uh, outlook a little bit or pushed Texas to, to go a little bit. But I, I want to go back to uh Steve Sarkeesian uh here, if at all possible, uh, and say something about him. Uh look. This was a game plan that did not ask Quinn Ewers to do too much. Um, he did not put it on the right arm of, of Quinn Ewers. He put it on the offensive line and B. John Robinson. Yep. Um, yeah, sure. Quinn got him into the right plays, got the ball in, go, got going, made a couple of nice – I thought his best throw of the day was the, the slant to Worthy. Um, but, you know, yeah. or maybe the over route to, to Jordan Whittington. But – those were the two that I thought were good, uh, but he was a game manager today, and maybe that's all you need to be sometimes if you're going to try to take those next steps, right? I mean, that's that's the reality of it, and Bijan may be the best running back in football, in college football. Um, he's he's pretty darn good, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, about the conversation, right, about Bijan. So how, I'll ask you this, because, Bobby, you're more of a historian than me. How many Texas running backs in the history of the program are better than Bijan? Um, so I would absolutely take Earl and Ricky ahead of him. Okay, two statues. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that um, Cedric was more complete. I mean, Cedric's so tough, so tough nosed. He was. Just, I know. And okay. I and I'm not saying um, it. You know, I, of all of all three of those, if I needed two yards, I may pick Cedric over Ricky and Earl. Oh, yeah. I mean, Cedric was just not 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 a. And I want to say that because the thing that was Cedric, he could make that first guy. He's a little bit like Jonathan Brooks runs a little bit like Cedric in that he, you never square his pads on him. That is so good. You know You're what right. I mean? I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's just nice. weird. Cedric could do that, and he could jump cut, and he could. Yeah, and it, would, it would be like so. He was just he I was like different. That. So, I, I would say all around Cedric was better because Cedric also was very good in pass protection, uh, and had really good hands out of the backfield. He's not as he's certainly not a big game hunter like Bijan. Um, yeah. I think of all of those guys, Bijan and is only second to Jamal Charles in that. I was going to say yeah, Jay Charles breaks um, the uh, but. Uh, that that's those five for me. And, and I didn't, I granted, I saw Earl, um, when I was a young kid, I did not see Rosie leaks or Steve awesome. Wooster or any, you know, all those, the, the guys at the, 
guys one you know, you know 10 15 20 years older than me might might bring about but or yeah. bring up um but i think he's pretty good i mean i, I felt i De, deontay foreman had a tremendous year and is a tremendous back but he's more in that that uh ricky earl mode uh for me um Dang. lean on people kind of guy that still has the giddy up late in the game seeking the truth never gets old Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. I love that. I, I, I like that. I like that you brought up that Jay Brooks said D comparison. That is nasty, Bobby. Well, right. I mean, but he I, does. He he doesn't nobody gets real good shots on him. Yeah. That's yeah. a great one. I love that one, man. Yeah, that, we'll was, that was good. If he has half the career, it's a great, you know. Great I never thought about it. I've been looking at him and Jay Brooks. I love him. And I play with said B. God rest his soul. Love me some said B. But you're right now. I can't see nothing but Jay Brooks and said B. You're right. He's got those two foot cuts. Yeah. 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 It's wow. hard. He's going to be a guy. I think that I think that run for a loss today, you know, he's only had like 25, 30 carries in his career. Um, but I think the run, the three-yard loss he had today on the goal line where um, uh, I think it was uh, Jake Majors or Kelvin Banks totally whiffed their block hmm. uh, for that three-yard loss. I think that was his first run for a loss as a longhorn. <laughs> I can believe it. I mean, I and that's, that's that's what Cedric Benson was, is that kind of same kind of – Always forward. Yeah, yeah. Always and so forward. it's interesting. We'll we'll see. I mean, that that's a big comparison for a guy that's only – Toted the rock 25, 30 times. It is. It uh, is. But um, I think that that's the kind of guy he, he looks like. I, like um, I think people fall off of him a little bit too. So we'll see. Uh, what about Quinn Ewers for you? Uh, what did you see from him today in your opinion versus uh, the run game necessarily? I, I want to get your a DB's take on, on that because I think I was looking at it more from a uh, offensive coordinator type thought. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, it was, it was obvious that Sark did not want to put anything too much on his plate. He wanted him to come out of this game confident and comfortable. Uh, that's why you saw a lot of high percentage passes right at the line of scrimmage or right within five yards on the line of scrimmage. I, I'll go back and count, but I guarantee they're probably wanting more than maybe six passes past 10 yards, six, seven passes. I mean, it just, it just weren't many. Remember their second touchdown drive. You remember this? Well, they had it was a nine play touchdown drive, I believe. Eight rushes. And the only pass was a Jay Whittington pitch where he goes in motion. Oh, yeah, the, the, the shovel almost. The yeah, shovel, yeah it's a shovel pass. Exactly. It was, a, it was a shovel pass. It was basically all rushes. And I believe that was the second touchdown drive of the game for Texas. You can tell, man, it was intentional and deliberate. It was all about the running game. And by the way, I love that they involved, they featured Jay Witt early. He rewarded Jay Witt. Remember, in that game versus TCU, they asked Sark. Who, is there any offensive player that you think had a good game? He said, Jordan Winton, only one. That's it. Nobody else played winning football in that game. And he rewarded Jordan Winton because in that game versus TCU, his first target was with 50 seconds left in the first half. And then basically he was your most effective receiver in the second half. And this game, early on, they had a 
RPO, they tried to get to him on the first drive, I think. And then on the second touchdown, on that uh, touchdown drive, they had that pitch to him. I think it was like a 12-yard gain or something. But they intentionally tried to feature him earlier. I like that because he's a perfect complement to your quick game. The RPO is just an amalgamation of the quick game and the run game, right? It's just basically an amalgamation of it. So he's great for your RPO game in the slot. He's also great for your wide receiver screen game, whether it be the tunnel screen, smoke screen, or, you know, the bubble screen. doesn't matter whichever one it is. He's great for that. Also part of the quick game. So if you're going to emphasize quick game, Jay Witt's got to be featured in your offense. He's the one that's going to break tackles at the line of scrimmage. He's a running back in a wide receiver role. Yeah, I I, I think that I think the game plan on offense was – Good. I mean, it was fifty-five it was points. Boring. It was boring. It, you you didn't. It was boring and it wasn't sexy. And I think Sark likes a sexy game plan. He really wants to go out there and take a shot early on, and then get you know what I mean take the crowd out of it. Get X Man with a deep bomb. He wants that. He really does. We know that because he does it early on in his scripts. In this game, he decided. Nope. You know what? The easiest and the most boring way. And probably, and it's probably an antithesis to everything that he believes in his DNA as a play caller was. I'm just going to run the damn ball. It's boring. It's obvious. But you know what? It's effective. And that's what's going to win us a game. God bless the man. God bless Sark for that today. Because I love that game plan. He didn't, he didn't, he let his sucker in. Even when he was up early, he was like, oh man, he's going to take some shots now. He's going to start taking shots downfield. No. He didn't take shots down. He's like, no, no, we're the it's it's working. Running the rock is working. We're gonna keep running the rock. I love the approach. I don't know if it's the same approach that's gonna win you the game versus Baylor, but it was the approach to win today on the road versus Kansas. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. Because look, Texas, this is only a second road win for Sark, right? Third, third, third down. A state yeah, beat you last year. year ago. Yeah. yeah. So second one this year. Um you know, you take them the way you can get them. I mean, <laughs> let, let's be clear. This one was a 41-point win. I didn't. I mean, I don't know if anybody thought Texas would win this one by 41 going into it. No. Um, no and so you could talk about how boring – we could talk about how boring or boring. – I think workmanlike is a better – That's better. That's better. Okay, I'll write, I'll write that down, Bobby. Sorry. <laughs> workmanlike, blue collar. <laughs> it was, though, right? I mean – um, I, I feel like uh, it was more of that uh, today than it was anything else. Um, our, we we got to keep we got to get to our last sponsor uh, of the day. This is a one minute spot, and it's from Organifi, uh, a juice beverage uh, additive that I've been using the last couple of weeks. Helped me get over uh, some stuff going on with the flu and et cetera. It's been good for me. Matt, will you please cue that up, our producer, and and uh, put that live now. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant-based nutrition made with high-quality ingredients. Each Organifi blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. Like Organifi green juice with essential superfoods and a clinical dose of ashwagandha, it helps reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels or Organifi Red Juice, a superfood punch that increases energy without the caffeine and only two grams of sugar. Each Organifi blend is easy to use by simply mixing it with water or your favorite beverage while on the go, and they don't compromise taste or quality. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods without breaking the bank. 
Head over to Organifi.com forward slash on Texas and use code on Texas for 20% off your entire order. All right, Rod, uh, 55-14, Texas wins. Uh, can Texas, can Jonathan Brooks, we were just talking about him, can he be a top five book back next year with this O-line? Ooh. I think I think that's a I think that's a tall order. I don't I think he's a I will say this. He's got the looks of a future NFL guy to me. So after the one or top one or two, the rest of them are all kind of, you know, juggle them up, throw them in a pot and shake them up. And whoever you pick is mm-hmm. kind of your choice. Uh, but I think he's a future NFL guy. I, I don't know that he's going to be better or a, a bigger a bigger home run guy than, say, a Cedric Baxter who's who's coming in. But uh, yeah. there's a he's definitely got the, the skills. Yeah, it seems like Sark's going to keep that room loaded, right? You got uh, Jonathan Brooks in there, and I, Keelan Robinson's coming back. Still got Jaden Blue. He's bringing in Cedric Baxter. He wants to keep that room loaded. Um, he always says the touches of the running back position are the identity of his offense. He's on, he's on the record for saying that. Like That represents the identity of his offense, represents that toughness of the offense. Um, I'm, I, I, I love me some Jonathan Brooks, man, ever since I've seen him last year. Uh, whether he can – behind a young offensive line. This is the key, though. It's that offensive line. I'm glad that uh, Jess brought that up. That's the key, right? You're talking about a young Kelvin Banks, who right now may be the best freshman O-lineman in the country, possibly. He's in the conversation. He's definitely in the conversation. Um, And you're bringing back a lot of other guys on that offensive line with a lot of experience next season. And we know that Sark's going to emphasize running the rock. Even at the end of this season, we expect that to be the case. Um, and with con- with the continued development of Quinn Ewers, I expect him to make that easier for him, all right, his trajectory to be a little bit more uh, in a streamline by just running the football. And I, I don't know if he's going to be a top five back, but I guarantee you he's going to be productive. In terms of productive and how prolific he's going to be in Sark's offense, if he's a starting back, he's going he's gonna to be the feature, and he's going to be one of those guys that's in the discussion for most productive running backs in the country. He, he wrote it out today um you know 70 yard run even with that that 70 yard run though look at that he he had 10 for 38 um otherwise that's still that's almost four a pop uh not a bad uh performance from young jonathan brooks out of hallettsville uh texas uh this is one that uh i think that you and i talked about earlier uh jalen ford is 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 scheduled to be back next year i don't think that i, I talked with ian uh boyd our x's and o's guy on friday about uh, Jalen Ford and whether or not he's a possible NFL guy this year. He said that guys like Jalen, they, they don't go for early early round grades typically. They're, those guys go fourth, fifth, sixth round, uh, if that high, and that Ford probably needs one more year of seasoning. Uh, that being said, most productive linebacker at Texas since who? I can't Ooh, think of you're probably going to, man, honestly, remember 2017, you had that Gary Johnson, Malik Jefferson combo. Yeah, but a bit. But I don't know. You're right. I don't know. Productivity wise. I don't know. Individually. You're right. That's different because uh, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were, they were really effective combo, but individually, I don't know if they were as productive as Jalen Ford's going to end up being at the end of this year. Different style defenses. They're funneling more to the linebacker now too, to, to be fair. Um, yeah. uh, that's a good question. What's the last time Texas had a linebacker that was this productive, man. Um, Seems like they all went to Oklahoma State. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma State's had the the best linebackers in the league for uh, them and Kansas State. I think. <laughs> they, they basically had a 
Uh, hey, uh, we're not uh, going all the way back to Derek Johnson, are we? We can't go back that far. Yeah, I, think, I think it's definitely that far. I think I was thinking even further back. Uh, wow. Is this this Jalen Ford's numbers? 91 tackles on the season. Yeah. That's two more games. He's going to hit. He's, he's going to hit. Oh, that does, hey, that's not even. He's got more than that now. Yeah, the um, that, that's only 10 games. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's right. 91 tackles so far through 10 games. He had he had six today, I think. Is that right? You're right. So he's already at 90 at 97. So he's gonna have a hundred easily within the season. Then the bowl game counts. He'll have another. Yeah, that's that's pretty prolific, man. I gotta go back and do the numbers on that one. That's why well, I'd be 110 tackles. Yeah, you know, if he just has a a big game like that, uh or he uh, continues and he on got his three on picks, this. right? Got three picks. Three uh picks yeah, two for sure. I know two for sure. Is there a third? Yeah, the one? Iowa State one. He had the K State one and one today. Oh, I forgot about the K State one. So it's no, he, yeah, yeah, he did. Have a, yeah, that's three, have three picks in a season, Bobby. <laughs> he leads the team in picks for sure. <laughs> uh, of that, there is no doubt. I, I think that Ryan Watts and, and Jade Barron would like to uh, try that. Wait, oh no, Ford only had five today. Uh, five times. Yeah, Jade Barron should have had a pick six today, dude. That's another guy. We're not giving enough props to. We got to have a little mini conversation about Jade Barron too. Jalen Ford. There is a conversation about whether he needs to go to NFL. I would say he should come back. I would say because because their NFL guys will, will try to assume this is an outlier for him, even though it's an upward trajectory. The best thing about it is he's shown uh, improvement year to year, and when he gets more playing time, he gets better and better. So if he comes back next year and has a monster year, I do think he can push his draft stock a little bit. The problem is with linebackers, the off-ball linebackers, for some reason they're not valued as high as they should be in the NFL. They're like safeties. I don't get why they're not valued as high because I think it's really hard in the modern NFL or modern uh, football anyway to have a great defense without a really good off-ball linebacker. And they're probably asked to do more than any other position on the field these days. Drop back in zone, cover man to man, blitz, take on O linemen. RPOs are usually based around linebackers. The motion is pre snap motion is usually built to exploit linebackers in coverage. So either way, uh, but my point is, uh, Jade Barron though, Bobby, he's been he's been fantastic. I've I've long said the nickel position at Texas. Go back and look at the lineage of it. The guys who played it, even going back to when I played it considering the, the the metamorphosis of the Big 12 becoming a passing conference in that time span and everything, that position probably has a higher likelihood of NFL or Sunday skill set than most of the DBs at Texas, right? The guys who go through that nickel position just because they're asked to do so much, the burden on them, and they have to be instinctual. The action happens a lot faster there. And oftentimes, teams try to put their best receiver in the slot, take advantage of those guys uh, at the nickel position because of the two-way go that those guys have. And Jade Barron this season, I know early on we were thinking about whether it's going to be Jade Barron or Jalen Gilbo, which one of these guys going to step up. Man, Jade Barron's been fantastic. His instincts are unbelievable. He, considering how like I said how quickly the action happens, how close you are to the football. He makes great. I mean, he he does. He has he makes snap decisions. You can tell he watches a lot of film, and when he sees something that his eyes confirmed on the film from the film study, he does not hesitate. He goes right now, and that's why in TCU game he's just smothering those wide receiver screens and those smoke screens. And even this game, right? They tried to run the little screen. He was right there. He, he almost had a pick six, and it was a like casual. He didn't even jump it. He was just there, and he just put his hands up and dropped it, Rod B style. 
that guy, I, I think he's an all-Big 12 stats player. I don't know if he's first team, second team, all that kind of stuff. I know they don't look at nickels, um, but that's a guy that's going to get a lot of love, too, when it comes to the season. Man, He's made a ton of plays. Yeah, let's ask our, ourselves this question from John Adams. Uh, Bobby, uh, Texas has met your seven-win prediction. Do they make it to eight wins and surpass your prediction? So just to be clear, I predicted seven and five regular season and an eighth win with the bowl. That's what I thought they would end up eight and five. Um, it's, uh, you know, 50-50 whether they beat Baylor next week. <laughs> I mean, do you think – what do you think? Is it more than 50-50? I mean, who knows? They're home. They're home. Doesn't, yeah, but it's a Friday – it's a, it's a Thursday – it's a Friday game, morning game. Students aren't going to be in town. After holiday. But, uh, I, you know, when you play A&M on the day after Thanksgiving, it's a different atmosphere. Than you when you play a Baylor or a Texas Tech, it just it just is. Yeah. I mean, you and I both graduated from Texas. Know what we're doing? Yep. No, you're right. You know, so there's not. It's not going to be. It'll be a sellout, but it won't be full. Full would be my bet, right? And I so <laughs> taking a little bit of the home field advantage away. Um, but I don't know if Texas is going to win next week. I, I don't. Th- I don't know if anybody can look you in the eye and say with with any kind of definitiveness that they are. I mean, Texas is seven and four. And Baylor six and five. Yep. And they and they, and they could have easily beaten TCU today. We all yeah. saw that. I mean, <laughs> it could have easily happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I will say this, and, and I, I, I've mentioned this, and I'm not trying to, to dig at, at certain people about things. A lot of people were calling Dave Aranda the next great college football coach after what he did with Baylor a year ago, after being two and nine in his first year or two and eight, whatever. Can't remember what he was in the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back and winning the Big 12 last year, and it, he was he's a good coach he's good and coach. he deserves a lot of credit. I'm not saying he doesn't, but at the same time, when you have six draft picks, and it, part of it is players, it's the Jimmys and Joes just as much as it is the X and O's. And so he's now six and five, that 10 and two, or whatever he was, where did he end up last year? 11 and two or 12 and two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and so. I say this not to dig at people. Just don't be so quick to anoint one-year wonders um, because there are a lot of mitigating circumstances that you're not necessarily thinking about. He's now got to go back and and rebuild and reshape this roster for Baylor because they're going to lose a lot next year. They're going to lose all five starting offensive linemen or four of the five starting offensive linemen next year. Yeah. Um, And so – And lose a lot on the D-line too. Yeah, and so I'm not trying to – I'm not trying to to point fingers. Just people need to make sure they understand that. But as far as John Adams, are they going to win? I, I don't know. Rod, Rod, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, is Texas going to win this week, this coming weekend? The, the advantage is they play at home. That's really good because they get to play at home. And Texas seems to be a much different team at home. They are on the road. More importantly, Quinn Ewers is different at home than he is on the road. I'll also say um, that I do think for Sark, he understands that I got to feature B. John now and feature Rojo. So the running game is probably going to lead the way. He's not going to allow them to force Quinn Ewers to beat them. That's what teams have been doing lately. Hey, forcing Quinn Ewers to beat you. He's not going to let them do that. He's not going to let them take them away. What I'm concerned about is Blake Shapin can run. And Texas had issues with quarterbacks that can run. And he's going to run. He's not like uh, – he, he's not going to be like Jalen Daniels. Or be, no, he's going to run. No, he's not a shrinking violet at all. Well, he's he's going to – yeah, he's, he's, he's got some hits this year because of it too. Exactly. So, yeah. number one, he's going to run. Uh, he's really good at throwing actually in breaking routes, what I've noticed about him. So, he's really good. And that's Texas. 
one of their Achilles heel defensively is they don't defend inside leverage very well. So they're going to do a ton of that. And I don't know, by if you go back and rewatch that uh, Baylor TCU game, some of the run game concepts that they were using in that matchup, holy shit. I haven't even seen some of them before. They, they did one just random. They pulled two offensive linemen and they did a pirouette. They they acted like they were going to pull and go to the, the 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 play side, and they did a pirouette. They literally spent around both of them, synchronized like synchronized swimmers, and then went back and pulled to the to the back side of. I don't think I've ever even seen it before. All right, so just so you know, Jeff Grimes and his reliably violent offense, calls the RVO offense. They are doing some because they got so many veteran offensive linemen, like Bobby just said. They can do all kind of freaky, crazy stuff because they got guys who've been playing for four, five, six years on that old line. So their last potential game in the regular season, dude, they gonna put, they gonna throw out the kitchen sink and everything at you, everything in your mama. They gonna throw at Texas a ton of it. Um, and I saw a lot of it versus TCU, um, a ton of concepts I haven't seen all year versus uh, that Baylor's use. So they are gonna break out some of that versus Texas, and that worries me a little bit. They got nothing to lose because they're not playing for a Big Twelve title. The best thing they got going for them is they got to get a big upset this year. All right, he almost had one versus TCU, Texas. That sounds about right for for Aranda to get him a big upset this year. Let me ask you this: uh, you know, talking about this this situation with Texas and where they're at, and uh, whether or not they're going to win next week, et cetera. You, you've played over a Thanksgiving game or a Thanksgiving week game. What's different about it? And you, y'all played on Fridays at that time, right? Yep. Yeah. What, what's different about the short week in college football uh, that's maybe a little bit different than, than uh, what would normally take place? There's not a lot of team-oriented game planning and preparation. There's a lot more culture. They they say, hey, uh, go spend time with your family or whatever. But I need they give you homework. It's a homework uh, assignment, essentially week. <laughs> All right. I need you to be watching a lot of film individually. I need you to do a lot of things individually because coaches at this point in the season, they, you know, they know the guys are banged up. So there's not a ton of practice. I mean, they're, they're trying to get it in. I mean, they get in a few practices, but mostly Mac, Mac at the time was obviously a very family oriented guy. Mac wanted you to have some time. Um, to hang out and Mac would make it. I mean, we were at a, we didn't get to go home and situate our family, um, but Mac would make it a, some, a something where you would got, you had some free time um, during that time period. And he wanted to have the Thanksgiving, you know, festivities and all that kind of stuff too. So practice time with the team was de-emphasized um, and team meeting time was a little de-emphasized um, because, and I said, I don't know if all coaches are like this, but Mac was a guy that wanted you to have uh, the overall experience of being a student athlete. And I think most coaches, they do want that. So they're not going to, uh, and obviously uh, there's a, a lot of amount of time that they're able to, to uh, practice and meet anyway. Um, but I remember during that time it being a lot more, I don't say lackadaisical, but relaxed about the practice time and all that. Cause even though it was A&M, because at that time, man, you know, the scheme, the scheme is in, everybody knows the scheme, um, the game plan for that specific week. That's what you need to work on. But there's a lot of, uh, individual time spent working on the game plan rather than with the team during that time span. I would say that's, that's what I kind of remember. So what is it, what is it, what does it cause? What are the effects of that? Uh, well, if you got good leadership, right. Get, you got good team leaders, you know, seeing leaders then they can make sure that they hold everybody accountable uh, for what needs to be done to make sure that everybody are uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's 
to make sure they're prepared for that week, even though you're not in the same regiment. It's not the same schedule. There's going to be the schedule is going to be different. You may not you're not going to have class because I don't know how the you know the 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 winter break works and all that kind of stuff. So the class and schedule is going to be different. Your practice schedule, you know, Mac Brown was big about having you know coaches be able to spend some time with the family. And then there's a uh, a team oriented holiday activities for everybody and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's just it's just a, it's just a different regimen. But you got to make sure that even with all that, that you get the you get the business done. And the business is about making sure you're prepared for that opening week. So you still get everything in. But like I said, it seems more relaxed than usual. Just because I think the coaches they want you at that time to understand. No, it's a holiday. It's all holidays are about family. And this is your family. So we're just hanging out as a family. And, yeah, we have the Thanksgiving meals together and all that kind of stuff. Um, but also we got a game to play on top of all that. And you don't have your class so guys can get distracted or whatever. Some guys get homesick because they used to being around their family during that time and not all that kind of stuff. You got to make sure you keep guys from being distracted. It's a great distraction week. It really is. Like it's a perfect week for guys to get distracted unless you got a great team leadership that will keep those guys. In Texas right now, I will say this, they've proven to have – Pretty good leadership because they bounce back really well. That's resilience on this team when they struggle and face adversity. And that's they what haven't lost more than a one-score game all year. Yeah. So they, they – So they I, I don't – and I want to say this. I, I, I say that not to, like, wear that as a badge of honor, um, but they're turning the corner in that way. Yeah. Um, and so how close – I don't know what they'll end up. To, to go back to John's question about seven and five or eight and four – or what have you. It just feels like they're in every game. They've been in every single game to some level. TCU was the most out of it game they were. I mean, they got beat. Um, I I just feel like they're getting close to playing a brand of ball where if they can start really figuring out who they are on offense, uh, they have a chance. And it may not be until next year, unfortunately, without Bijan. Um, but uh, I, I feel like Sarkeesian, um, especially after last week and what was so disappointing, came back and, and I would put an ex exclamation point on this win because it was it was workmanlike. And there was literally 31 to nothing. And they, they come out, stop them three and out on the very first play of the set, drive of the second half and then go back and beat them, uh, score another. It was either a touchdown or a field goal right off the bat uh, to reciprocate. And I. Look, I, I feel like this was one of those wins where, man, they needed that. But it, it could be one of those wins that, you know, uh, I don't know if it's going to launch the program, but it certainly should give them a, a powerful feeling. And I and I do. I've been on the plane before coming home from a road game yeah. and, the ta and the towers are orange and they take the flight around the tower when it's orange. Oh, man, I want to feel that. pretty good. <laughs> makes you feel pretty good rod right and, and they're gonna feel that this uh later tonight and uh we'll see how it how it works out for them let me ask you this okay so how often this season has this team played a four quarter game all three phases because i believe we might have saw that tonight right we might have witnessed Four quarters, all three phases. I know they put the backups in toward the end. And yeah, been, but, but, but even then, Rod, even then, KU only scored two touchdowns. Right. Okay. They stopped them on the last drive, and we're going to probably stop them again. So it wasn't like even with the backups, they let them walk down the field. Agreed. Good. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, now, yeah. Keaton Crawford had a, a tough two play stretch. 
um, there where yeah. he let the deep guy deep and then let the guy uh, inside of him. Double post on him, yeah. Yeah. Um, but my, my point on, on that is, you know, how close is Texas right now to being a really good football team? Um, really good football they're team definitely closer than a year ago. Yeah. And I, I think of that and then say this because one of the things that I wanted to talk about today and that, that, that I think everybody would agree that has watched Texas is that we've seen some physical development of the mm-hmm. players. Yeah. Jalen Ford is an example. Baron Sorrell is an example, right? Um, we're seeing the, the the offensive lineman, Christian Jones, has gotten better. Uh, Hayden Connors come along. Jake Major's playing better. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jatavian Sanders is, you know, borderline uh, all Big 12 candidate, uh, if not all conference or all American yep. capacity or capability, right? Interior um, D-line. Yeah, and, and then on defense, you talk about Jalen Ford, Jaron Thompson's playing better, uh, communicating better. Uh, Ryan Watts uh, came in and uh, locked down a spot. I just and then the defensive front, uh, Sweat has played better, Coburn has played better, Ajomo has played better, uh, Alfred Collins made a, a stop behind the line of scrimmage today. I just feel like they're starting to develop some people. Agreed. Um, and the more those guys get developed over time, the better you're going to be as a program. And all of a sudden, those four losses that were one score, maybe you win two or three of those. You're not going to win all of them all the time. It of course. You know, it doesn't work that way. But I, I would I would lean a little bit – I would lean pretty heavily right now on the ability of them to uh, develop players. It's, it's been pretty strong this year. It's it's certainly been uh, eye-opening in my, my, in my perspective. Oh, no question. And that's going to be – you know, it's, it's integral for Texas – to build this program back, right? Because they're going to lose Bijan, you know, next year, next year or the year after that, you're going to lose Bijan, you'll lose Rojo, you're going to lose uh, some of those interior D-line we talked about, Coburn's going to be out, Tavondre Sweat. You're going to lose some of these guys. But if we're talking about talent development, all right, which is the key element, right, the key to the drill, as Sark would say, the key element that's been missing from this Texas uh, you know, foundation, this program um, uh, building uh, uh, for Texas for the last decade or so, because they've been acquiring talent really well. Um, and I think for Texas, they've been, they can bring in high, high quality coaching talent as well, but they haven't been developing that talent. They've been bringing in consistently. And I'm with you. This is one of the first years where we can count probably maybe 10, 12 individual cases of guys who got better from last year to this year. Um, it'll be well-documented, I'm sure, at the end of the season for, you know, honors of all Big 12 honors and things of that nature, and even some All-American honors, too, and even guys getting drafted in the NFL. If they can continue that, they'll also – be. we all know they'll be able to recruit because Texas coaches can always recruit here at Texas. But if they can also now be able to refute the negative recruiting, which has been – Oh man, Texas can't develop talent. You, if you go there, just so you know, you're gonna have a lot of fun. You may make a lot of money, but you ain't gonna get drafted very high because they don't know how to develop talent there. If you can now put the kibosh on that kind of negative recruiting, which I think has been unfortunately part of the narrative against Texas for about the last decade, that could be a game changer. Um, and I think that's starting you know, to to dissipate somewhat this year uh, with Texas. Yeah, I I think it, you're just. I just think they're in there. You can tell 
Last week was hard because I worried about development as a offense and as a program. Uh, you could see it on defense, and it, but you couldn't see it really elsewhere, especially on offense. Uh, but today, against a team, this same team struggled with a year ago, mightily. Yep. My, I mean, they lost. Yep. Um, and got, you know, they got beat. Um, Texas went on the road and won convincingly. I'm, 40 point, 41 point win is a 41 point win. Might I don't know. Bored. I was bored, Bobby. I got bored. <laughs> I, was, I was watching the game. I told my wife, I said, I said I'm bored, babe. I'm, I haven't been bored watching the Texas football game. Usually I'm, I'm cussing and complaining at the screen. I'm yelling and screaming, complaining about stuff the whole time. No, or, or you know, or just a competitive game, whatever. You know, I, I, get, I didn't get bored in the Oklahoma game. We're beating the hell out of Oklahoma. I love beating the hell out of Oklahoma. I can score 80 against Oklahoma. I'll never get bored with that. That's just, that's orgasmic, as they would say, right? I love that. But beating, beating Kansas, I actually got bored. I got bored a little bit. And I think, like you said, because it was workmanlike. It was so. It was such a blue collar effort by Texas. Nothing. It was. I don't even think that was a flashy play, other than Bijan breaking plays and the Jonathan Brooks, you know, long run. Nothing flashy about it offensively. It was workmanlike, and I think for Sark, honestly, it was a step in the right direction because, like you said, that's a development win. That's showing. No, no. We when we ran the ball against Iowa State late in that game to close it out. When they were Texas, were able to win the game against uh, K State on the road because they put some Bijan on it and everybody robbed the running game. That was not a fluke. That was not an outlier. That those were steps, all right, in in the right direction for the Texas offense and their their new identity, which is if they need to, they should be able to impose their will on their opponent. And yep. that's what happened today. They need to impose their will, and they did it. They they just ran the ball right down Kansas' throat, and they didn't even need the passing game. It's very rare to be able to beat somebody without balance. No balance at all. Just 427 yards rushing, Rod. No balance. <laughs> no balance. That's no balance. They, could, they should have put nine in the box and ten in the box and stop, but they couldn't do it. The wishbone wasn't balanced either, and it did okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, PKR would have loved this win. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not. I, I think balance is nice as long as you win. I mean, that that's the, the name of the game is winning football, right? And Amen, so. Bro. Uh, ultimately, that's that's a reality. I, I do want to say this: we're, we're, we've run over our hour here, so we're going to get ready to go. Rod, it was really nice seeing and meeting your wife on Wednesday oh, yeah. night at the yes. movie uh, center. Uh, big good. win for uh, Texas basketball uh, against Gonzaga. Uh, Rod, you and I both. I want to say this for for folks that uh, just care about football. A lot of you out there, what were your <laughs> thoughts on the new arena? Because you and I went to school during the Irwin Center. And it was a cavern sometimes, right? <laughs> um, it was. It, it, this it is not like that at no. all. A uh, totally different atmosphere. It was, man. I, I'll give a ton of credit to Chris Beard and CDC, right? I know Chris Beard, they, they had a vision. And, and there's a lot of other folks behind the scenes that need some credit. Um, but putting the students right by the floor, around the floor on, both, uh, on multiple sides of the floor, I got to tell you guys, there's a different energy and vibe. I'm all about the big money because the big money, hey, man, they pay the bills. And they, that's what makes this university special as well. But even the big money can tell you when they go into that place, uh, if, honestly, and versus the Zags, I'm not sure if it's going to be like this every game. It felt like a religious experience. It really did, man. That was a, that was a palpable vibe and energy there um, that I, I, I don't go to a lot of college basketball games, but I've never experienced anything like that at a college basketball game. It was a legit um, home court advantage. 
And I'm, I'm, I'm proud and I'm happy for Chris Beard. He worked hard to form a connection with those students. He worked hard, man. He was putting they work having darties and you know going out to student functions and stuff like that. He's worked really hard to form a connection. And those students, they believe that they have and they they have a true investment that they actually have an impact on the game because of him. And and man, it's 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 fe- it's special to watch that connection between him and the students. I, I really enjoy it. I got to say this. I'm so so surprised you know the name that know the word darty. Because of him, my daughter, my daughter is a sophomore in college, and she, she, she uh, introduced me to that term. It's a party that happens during the day for people. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I was just like, when she said that to me, I just looked at her like, what? I mean, the first time I heard it, and it was there's Rod B dropping it on oh, the uh, uh, on the post game show. All right, for, final uh, from Lawrence, Kansas, uh, the Longhorns beat uh, KU fifty five to fourteen. It was a romp. Uh, no make make no mistake. Uh, Texas scored 24 points in the first in the second half. Uh, no letdown in the second half. Uh, dominated in the first half. Came out and stopped. I think three consecutive three and outs uh, for KU to start the game. Uh, Texas uh, rolls over the Jayhawks, 55 to 14. For Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been the InsideTexas.com on Texas football post game show. Hook them, everybody. <laughs>